Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Dialogue Social Podcast. I'm Aditya, today I'm here with Sandy Bristoki, Karma, Tegan, and Amira. And today's topic is going to be about mental health in the teenage brain. So, we hear about mental health in teenage brains and all about psychology all over the news. However, what exactly is psychology and what are the different types? Psychology is the study of how people behave, think and feel. There are four different types of psychology, forsenic, cognitive, social and developmental. Psychologists focus on six main workings of the human brain, consciousness, memory, reasoning, language, personality and mental health. The ultimate aim of a psychologist is to describe, explain, predict and improve human behaviour. The main question to talk about is, why is psychology so popular today? Is it just because of the fascination among many individuals that causes them to study this at a university or high level? What do you think? In recent years, psychology has become a growing field as there is an increasing demand for them due to the pandemic. The U.S. Department of Labor has predicted that jobs in the field of psychology will grow about 12% in the next 10 years. In today's world where social media is broadly used, the idea of having a psychologist is much more normalized in society. People have become more accepting about the topic and are more willing to talk to a health professional as it is now not uncommon among young adults. Yeah, and also I agree with that. And also I think another example is how because psychology is, is, psychology is becoming increasingly more popular, especially today, because it's just very helpful in helping us understand our own and other people's feelings and it can help us sort of analyze them and how they're, and how they'd react to a situation. That's actually quite interesting too. I think like psychology is really important as a study because it really helps us understand our own brain. And more importantly, it also it's like a step for scientists to diagnose illnesses in brains once they understand how it works. Definitely. I think over the recent years, we all can agree that the study of psychology and how we understand and interpret the different types of psychology has improved through technology and through human understanding. And it, it causes a great deal of students to study at a high level. For example, um, according to this website, it mentions that over 40% of people in the University of California studied and taken psychology as one of the subjects in the undergraduate. Now, moving on to psychology, we realise the importance and impact on mental health. What is mental health and what are the different ways could it possibly affect an individual? Mental health is the overall well-being of someone's mental state and capacity. And for teenagers, mental health is a very important part of their overall physical well-being because it also influences their motivation for, for example, school activities and their social life. And for teenager, mental health can be a variety of many things, and especially in such a thriving and quite honestly competitive school environment, it can actually be quite detrimental as it can impact your overall body image and self-image. And yeah, um, especially for teenagers, it is highly recommended to seek help from a professional to identify the cause of the issue. And it's always good to speak to a trusted adult first, such as a parent or teacher, as they will know what the next steps would be to find help. Yes, and I feel that the importance of mental health has increased dramatically over the past years as many people didn't really understand mental health as being as severe and just like having physical pain um, in your body. So understanding mental health, learning about the different types of it is extremely crucial for an individual as, again, it's a matter of life and death in extreme cases. Uh, Many of them could be depression, anxiety, or even trying to cope up with social pressures from society. 
mental health has been um, extremely evident, especially now with the pandemic, how it's been affected by isolation. Uh, what are your views on that? I agree with what you mean. I think another common uh, example of mental health struggles, I think also is more common as you get older, as you enter your more uh, important exams, is also exam and stress. Is stress from exam, exam anxiety and such, especially when you, for example, I think it's the difference between feeling quite nervous for an exam and almost, in some cases, not being able to, to breathe or think straight because of the stress. I think that there are some very helpful ways to manage that, such as, you know, sort of just physically making yourself breathe deeply. I think there's a method called five things you can see where you name five things you can see, four things you can um, hear, three things you can smell, two things you can see, and so on. I think there can be some quite simple uh, methods you can do that can be quick remedies. So, yeah. So, uh, truly, I, I, I agree with what you said, Karma. But going on to uh, the main aspect of today's talk, and that's regarding the teenage brain. Now, why the teenage brain in particular and why do we study this separately? Why do scientists talk about it separately rather than characterizing it with other individuals? Is it just teenagers tend to feel more prone to mental illness or what are the reasons behind it? Well, actually, this is quite interesting. During the summer, um, I was quite interested in this. And since we were all at home due to Corona, we, I stayed in and three of my friends um, one from China, one from India, and one from Dubai, all of us connected. And we, we did this social experiment about the teenage brain and how, um, mental health works. And we wanted to see how people think and how they respond to adversities like so. So we had the pandemic recently and we wanted to see how people were adapting to it. So we started this online platform. Um, first it was an Instagram account. It was called Smile for Teenagers. Um, we've stopped it for now because we all got busy with our own life. But we had started this Instagram account um, and we had got all our friends to follow it. Um, and we put polls there on the platform every day, um, two to three polls per day about many topics. And and we got many messages um, about how people were feeling. Our main um, the main objective was for teenagers to come and they could confide in us, teenager to teenager, because in today's day and age, being a teenager is very different to what it was like 50, 50, 60 years ago. Before there were no mobile phones. Now there is social media, mobile phones, and so much more that comes with it. So we had tried this experiment and we got people our age to message us and just check in with us and surprisingly we got a very positive response we got very many teenagers from all around the world um messaging us about how they felt we learned a lot about how people were thinking um i learned a lot and i think it was really interesting because one of my friends who i was doing this project with lived in china at the time so all her chinese friends talked about what life was there and then i compared it to how life was here in dubai and um, some examples were in school there, um, there was a lot of leaving out because of how rich they were, because in China, many parents have big, big companies and everything, as we know, is made in China. So the deciding factor of if you were, if you had many friends in China was supposedly if your parents had a big oil company or a big production company and that is nothing like how my life is right now and I thought it was really interesting so many of my friends 
friends uh, messaged us on Instagram and she one friend told us one girl told us about her experience that she was in school and she was bullied because her dad didn't own a company and said her dad had worked in a company and I thought that this was really an interesting perspective on how teenagers think I can't believe that us teenagers at the age of 14 or above are thinking like this we have our whole lives to live why why base our happiness on what our parents are doing and this was a really astonishing thing to me because it really showed me a new perspective to life here I'm happy with what I have I'm grateful and there life is quite different and in India likewise as well um yeah I think it's actually really interesting to like understand how a teenage brain works and I think something that a lot of people don't understand is that your brain continues to mature and develop throughout your whole childhood and adolescence so even if your brain has grown to its full size by maybe your early teenage years, the prefrontal cortex is the last region in the brain to develop, and it might not even finish developing until mid to late 20s. Yeah, and that's really like what you said about how, uh, why should we base what happens off what our parents do, because I don't know, I've never really thought of it, about it like that way. And I think especially during the pandemic, uh, it sort of depends on what age you were and sort of how thriving your social life was. I really, yeah, I get what you mean about, and I think this, the social experiment you do was very cool because it was also on an international base yeah. because uh, here in Dubai, we, honestly, we do live quite a, a privileged life. life. And, you know, like, our parents must have, like, stable job doing kind yeah. of like, and yeah, I, agree, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, this whole social experiment was a really good um, introduction to how different our lives are all around the world um, and how lucky we are to be living in Dubai. Um, the main perspective, the objective of this was to see how people all around the world respond to the same questions, the same polls, and the same, um, and we had the same questions, and uh, I think a thousand people replied to a couple of polls, mm -hmm. and it was quite a big audience, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was quite good, I'm really happy that we did this. Right now, we're not continuing it, but I think that it, it showed us how vast our society is. Yeah, it did. It's great to actually see this in action from uh, different countries and different people working together. Because yeah. usually when we discuss about mental health or psychology, it's usually with either your friend or someone in your local community. Exactly. But for you to take this internationally is exactly. another boundary, which is really Yeah. Great. And the response we got from India, the girl whose friends lived in India, that was also completely different um, at that time. During the summer, about like six months ago, five, six months ago, Corona was really, really, really bad in India. Um, one friend was really scared. Her, her, one friend, one person um, who, who messaged us told us that one of her family members had died from COVID. And it was a lot of stuff. So it was really interesting. Uh, the person in China, China, to, um, to be fair, had really controlled the spread of coronavirus. So... The people, um, whoever messaged us from China were more stable, more happy and thought more about their social life than the people in India were really talking about, not about their social life, not about their friends, but actually would they left, live to see the next day because Corona was really bad and my heart goes out for everyone there. But this social experiment really shed light on many new topics um, and how different people in the world face with the same adversity. I think one of the most interesting things about it is how 
we're all different and we're all like from all different parts of the world and although we may think differently lots of things about our brain are still the same like biologically the teenage mind is more reactive to the chemical dopamine and it's just a natural chemical in the human body which is a neurotransmitter and it plays a role in how we feel pleasure and it's like specifically linked to teenagers because they are more sensitive to this chemical and its release of dopamine has been linked to an increase in impulsiveness and hedonism yeah yeah and take it also like what you said previously about how uh your prefront about your frontal lobe uh that area of the brain it doesn't develop until maybe the late 20s I think also another concept of how we go from adolescence to adults is in many different aspects, especially in social, because I remember seeing this one report, I think, from the New York Times on how a study was done, and actually a lot of the sort of uh, late teens, mid-20s, sort of in college uh, people, as they started to live away from their parents and sort of from the high school life that they were used to, they actually realized that uh, one of the main keys was that growing up is sort of about realizing that being alone isn't always bad because mm. I think especially in our teenage years, our social life and our friends are very important and they influence us a lot. And I think that as you sort of mature, you get to develop your own personal personal your own personal personality, uh, sort of formed from the people around you still, but less so, but yeah. Yeah, I completely agree because it talks about how teenagers their transition from being actual children to adults it's a big process it's a big step it's all about personal development at the end of the day and with that like dopamine like what he can said and about how your brain is still developing this can show a lot about why teenagers um tend to feel more vulnerable and more sensitive regarding them actually you know exploring more about themselves and understanding and this comes up regarding mental illness again as it shows that through this, there's obviously side effects about having either mood swings or uh, these are times where people tend to be quite emotional about certain things. And that's hard because what people think of us as teenagers is to be obviously quite respectful and so modern. So to see that in science. Yeah, I get what you mean. So now let's sort of talk about uh, some common effects of mental health in our school environment does anyone have any ideas or sort of examples they might have from because we've had quite a lot of exams in the past couple of weeks um sometimes teenagers find themselves in a situation where they don't feel as though they have a trusted adult that they can go to in this case they should contact somebody at school maybe like a school counselor personally i agree um last week we had our ex- our first school exams week um it was a re- it was really a lot. I felt really pressurized. I feel like I drive and I seek. I've had academic validation, so this exam week was really important for me. Um, and I found that I got bogged down when I didn't understand a concept. I had so many exams. I had seven exams in five days, and I found that revising was really tough because there was a lot of content to revise. And after my exam, if one exam didn't go well, my mental health would go a bit down. I remember that after one exam, I went and I sat actually with the mirror during lunch and I talked to her about how I felt. I wasn't in the right frame of mind and therefore it reflected on how I was behaving. I was acting a bit more annoyed, a bit more angry, and I didn't realize until she had pointed it out. She actually tapped me on the shoulder and she said to me, why are you acting like this? And it made me think, I the late, later that night, I went home. Before I went to bed, I love reflecting on how my day was. And 
I've thought back to when she had tapped me on the shoulder and told me why was I acting so different and I realized that it was this exam who knew that just exams could bring so much stress upon me it felt like a burden after the end of the exams week it felt like a burden had been released off my shoulders I was all back to normal but why why do such little things like exams affect me so much and it's important to remember that exams aren't everything and that you shouldn't base your happiness over how well you do on just one exam. Exactly, because I think as teenagers, we always strive for perfectionism. And that's all, that's also a significant impact on mental health. Trying to um, burn out our own selves, taking part in various extracurriculars while battling academics, especially since we started GCSEs. There's a lot of pressure that comes up to us as students. And Many people do not realize that and many people do not want to talk about that. They just feel that they're the ones only being pressurized and everyone else is acting normal. But basically nothing is normal. We all are different people. We all have different ways to cope with stress or anxiety. And I feel spreading awareness is the key to help support that and um, help take care of other issues regarding mental health. Yeah. And Sandy, I get what you mean by I think it's very helpful because well-trusted at all can be very helpful. I feel like not every teen might have access to it or they may not feel comfortable opening up to their parents. So I think a trusted friend like a mirror would be very helpful for sort of anyone. <laughs> sort of, uh, as a metaphor, you physically tap you on the shoulder and, like, you know, why are you feeling this way? Because I think that maybe if you didn't, uh, weren't tapped on the shoulder, then maybe you, you might not have reflected and realized how... I agree, yeah. Kind of yeah. I think that I subconsciously was acting really arrogant and annoyed. I was bogged down by a test I didn't get to answer all the questions and I didn't understand but a couple of the questions and I'm really grateful that I do have friends who are open enough to tap me on the shoulder and tell me that why were you acting like this I'm really grateful and I'm happy that I'm able to and then the next day actually I went to school and I told Amira thank you so much for telling me that I thought about it and I reflected it I'm really happy that I have a society and I live I have a circle of friends where we can talk like um i'm sitting with right now um but also open and honest communication is really important which i really which i agree with yeah. karma that a lot of teenagers especially in this day and age with social media and our fingers always glued to our phones lack communicating with your parents is another really important thing friends will always friends might come and go but your parents and your family will be there for life so you must learn how to build good relationships with them build good relationships with them genuine connections and even though it might be daunting at first, I agree. I was scared to talk to my parents. If you're ever feeling down, know that it's okay to not be okay. I think that, like, often the one thing that is stopping people from maybe opening up, maybe to their friends or parents or even, like, a school counsellor or a teacher, is maybe just the fear of judgment and that they might have just too much pride to admit that they need help. And a survey has shown that 54% of people with a mental illness do not seek treatment. That's pretty shocking. That's astonishing. Yeah. But however, in today's world where talking about feelings is much more normalised, a total of 87% of American adults and teenagers agree that having a mental health disorder is nothing to be ashamed of, and 86% that they believe that people with mental health disorders can get better. Thank you, Amir, for the statistics. I really agree. Um, I feel like honest communication is really important. We should all not be scared to talk to our parents, but actually not be part of the 55%. You know yourself, and if you feel like you are struggling with something, 
don't be afraid to talk to anyone, a teacher, a friend, your parents, your sister, your dog, anyone, or maybe even write it down. Journaling is another technique I tried in the summer when, and during the midst of the pandemic when we were all locked at home. I was quite upset and I couldn't see my friends. I felt quite sad and I honestly didn't have the courage to go up and talk to my parents and tell them that I was feeling down. So I tried this new technique called journaling and there are many apps um, that you can download on your phone to remind you or to help you. I love the passion, Sandri, and what you use to help because your personal experience can help one one listener listening at home to actually talk to someone and to make a difference. I agree. And it all comes down to like peer pressure at the end of the day and what we always compare ourselves to others when we should always just be ourselves. Be ourselves exactly. and we are a competition. Yeah. And Sandri, I love what you said about journaling because I think that Sometimes at the end of the day, you have, especially when we're very busy, you know, students and just uh, kids in general, I think it's great to sort of have just an, a set place where you can just learn all, all good thoughts yeah. from the day. And I think that even if you are struggling with journaling and you're having problems, you know, getting your thoughts into order or just, you know, uh, spelling them out, uh, there, there's lots of journal prompts. I think uh, there's, you know, websites everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, millions. There's, also, they're really helpful. Because some of them, they you might not even realize that you're journaling. You just think you're talking about a random question, like, you know, what's a compliment you could give someone? Or, yeah. you know, like, uh, how did the weather make you feel today? Yeah. Just small things. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the really good things that I've seen online about journaling is that, I mean, often people, they write down, like, negative feelings that they're having or a bad day that they've had. But I think a really good thing to do is maybe write down something that you enjoyed today or something that someone did that made you feel happy or just like something that will describe your feelings so like when you look back on it you can remember that things were good i think for journaling the 365 journal which you can either buy in stores or even online is really good because the thing about that is that it focuses mainly mainly on the positives rather than the negatives and what you could do to like improve yourself even though that's extremely crucial for personal development. For example, it asks it asks you to write three good things, but only one bad thing. And like Tika said about like reflecting and looking behind. And at the end of the year, when you start a new journal um, on January first, you can see, or not even January first, any month, you can talk about how much you've improved and how much you've taken care of yourself and all the good achievements so forth. So now we've talking about all about mental health how we can improve as individuals and how we can share, spread awareness and use journals as a form of communication. However, there are ethical problems with that and Amira will take us there. The most common ethical issue faced in the field of psychology is maintaining boundaries between the health professional and the client. Every client deserves to have an unbiased relationship with their psychologist who maintains complete confidentiality. Most therapists have a specific skill which they are specialized for. It is important that you ensure they have the proper skill set to help you. I think just one thing that people are scared of about therapy is that it's not going to remain between um, you and the therapist and that it could get out to someone, it might get out to your parents or you don't want them to know, you just want it to remain completely confidential and you're worried that it won't be. Yeah, I agree. I think especially for teenagers seeking therapy, one of the main reasons why they might not go to a therapist, why they might not open up to a therapist or even sometimes go to our own school counsellor is fear of the counsellor having to call the parents either because they are, 
a danger of themselves or someone else. And of course, uh, the counselor would, of course, have to call a parent because it's a matter of safety. But I think that that's one of the main issues why it might deter some kids from actually going. I think the main thing is always knowing that a school counselor or therapist is almost, you know, 99.9% of the time always there to help and you are always, like, their sole, you know, um, you're their first priority in that case. And that all they want to do is to purely help you because that is literally their job. So I think that it's a bit of about trust and how there may be something that seems like the end of, of the world to you, like a parent finding out that you've anxiety because you failed your math test last week. Uh, might seem like the end of the world, but actually it might be for the best. Definitely, Karma. I agree. I feel like what Sally mentioned about communication and how we as individuals are extremely social, especially as teenagers. We would rather go talk to our friends rather than seek professional help. Or some people might say that it either costs too much or once I saw a psychologist, it didn't help. So it's really important to get a second perspective as individuals and think about therapy. Some people might not like it, which is completely understandable as we see uh, maybe um, a psychologist is not as trustworthy as we thought it would. Maybe they're going to tell their parents about an issue they face. They don't want them to know. So at the end of the day, I think one issue to resolve is all about having trust between each other. Some people may also think that they would be looked down upon by their peers or family if they do try and seek help. However, it doesn't need to be something which other people know about. It can be completely private and personal just for yourself. Yes, and I completely agree because I think in another return, like you said, it's, yeah, might be sometimes it might actually be beliefs and ethics. I think that in some cultures, uh, therapy isn't necessarily looked down on, but it is sort of a taboo talk and it's sort of a matter, I think, yeah, Sandra, what you said too, it's a matter of ego and how if you are, mental health is sort of associated with sometimes and it, a negative yeah, yeah, very negative. Yeah, and also uh, being like a crazy person by, I think it's time to sort of accept the fact that if you have anxiety or depression, it's completely normal. And it doesn't mean that you're mess. It doesn't mean that you're less of a person, or your parents did a bad job of raising you. And I think that it's all about just sort of removing the taboo and the stigma behind it. I agree, Karma. In my culture, I actually come from a background where therapy really isn't normalized, and therapy is sort of looked down on. If you have a problem, just find out how to deal with it yourself. But sometimes, if you actually have a problem, you must seek professional help. I wish that therapy in my culture student does get normalized. And I know that there might be listeners who do experience the same thing. And we're all different, but that's what makes us unique. And if your parents think that um, therapy shouldn't be done, then you can always go to a school counselor because then it doesn't involve your parents and you can do it without them even knowing. Seek the help you need to get better. I think a lot of the stigma about therapy kind of maybe comes from the past and when if you did have like depression or anxiety you were thought to be like insane and you were like sent away you were looked down on in society nobody really talked to you you were very isolated and I think that obviously we've moved away from this type of stigma in like in the modern day but I think that there are still some stereotypes about it that can be broken down yeah i agree and also i said stereotypes i think we should sort of move towards mental health and sort of the gender stereotypes behind it i think another very common one is also sort of men and their mental health because i think that's mm-hmm. overlooked way mm-hmm. too much yeah for example uh, a lot of men that actually 
a lot of ways that men- mental health has actually been negatively impacted because of stereotypes. For example, you know, toxic masculinity being taught as a guy that, I, you know, you can't cry, you can't show emotions because then you're weak. And that really causes a lot of, you know, um, reinforced, you know, bad habits and behaviors. And I think also it would also would deter them even more from, you know, getting therapy or just even addressing their mental health to begin with and, you know, just say, you know, I have depression or something like that. I completely agree because I think as um, teenagers and especially as being boys, um, usually mental health um, in some cases is just um, uh, generalized for women or teenage girls. And that's really sad as we as 21st century should learn and understand how we should all be inclusive, how we should all be accepting of not only just women, but men also, as maybe it might not be the same reasons, but we do get sad, we do cry. And speaking about that and talking to other people is the best way, again, to overcome that. I agree, Aditya, that men's feelings can sometimes be overlooked. Yeah, Mental Health America reports 6 million men are affected by depression in the United States every single year. We can get this number down if if men come and admit to their feelings. Over two in five men, or only 43%, admit to their regular feelings of being worried or low compared to the 53% of women. There is still that 10% of men who are afraid, so we want to encourage them. Yeah, I completely agree. And also on the flip side, for women, I think that especially it sort of starts maybe as young as your own childhood for a girl, where you extra pressure, you know, social pressures, um, um, also in a family sort of, I think what's what was quite common is but as you're taught in, as a teenager growing up there's also a case of a teen pregnancy that each of you still that extra burden and there's actually one that could be a reason for why uh depression is actually twice as common in women as it is in men yeah so i think that's of course that's an absurd extra amount of women that are you know getting depression but i think that if we stop and we sort of remove these behaviors at the young age we can definitely lower this number um just like scientifically and with the brain there is a difference between a girl's brain and a boy's brain and like for example girls between the age of 9 to 13 they display a higher level of conscientiousness than males of the same age and i think it's just important that we like recognize these differences yeah. between yeah um statistics show that nearly 11% of teenagers suffer from depression and anxiety wow. including uh boys and girls wow. uh Definitely. And now moving towards the end of this episode, it's important to sort of just like conclude and understand the main problems we have in society regarding mental illness and mental issues. The most important thing out of all the science and all the important statistics is about taking action. We as individuals, the children of the future, or even parents and people out there, we need to start making difference in society as the only way we can branch out to overcoming all of these stigmas and stereotypes, overcoming all of these problems we face about men not being able to cry or women should be able to take care of their mental health well. It's about taking affirmative action. It's about seeking communication. It's about talking to people. Yeah. I think the main things is, as Sandy said, some amazing things that help your mental health can be uh, just if you're in a stress situation, trying to name five things you can see and four things you can hear or just any of your five senses. And as Sadie said, journaling, it's amazing. Just use any journal prompts online. There's hundreds of different types that there's there's always one for you. 
Yeah, with journaling, um, don't expect to get anything out of journaling. Remember, long-term gain is short-term pain. You may think right now that journaling may be a burden. You might come home from your friend's house. You may be really tired, but don't forget to always. It might be even for five minutes, five or three or seven minutes. It doesn't matter for how long. Just jot some notes down. And I promise you in the future, you will you will find that you will have more clarity of thought and you will feel more happier in general. I've been journaling for around three months every day now consistently, no matter how late I come home in the night or how tired I am, or how how many exams I have tomorrow, I spare at least five minutes for myself to just write my thoughts, collect how I feel, if something went bad in my day or something went good. So I hope that this is another technique that if you are suffering with mental health, any mental health problems, or even if you aren't, I hope this is something that you should start. I recommend it highly. I think it's just important that you do things that you will feel in control of to just make sure that you're like feeling happy and that you have a sense of purpose and direction. Yeah, exactly. So I think that especially as you're a teenager, you might feel like your life is out of control and how, you know, you can't, no matter how much you revise, you can't control your test grades and you just feel really out of touch with sort of yourself. I think that another way to, quite easy way to regain control is my family's been doing this for as long as I can remember, like 12 years or so. We actually do daily goals every day in the car when we're driving to school. So it's things like, what's a personal goal, what's a health goal, and what's a school goal you want to do. And I think it's really good because no matter how small or big it is, it's just a small thing that you can take off at the end of the day. And you should remember to not overlook your emotions and do something to better your mental health. Yeah, exactly. however big or small, just make sure that you recognise how you're feeling. And if you're struggling, just remember you can talk to anyone, a trusted friend, adult, or just journal, like Sandy said. Exactly, and as now we are expressed to so much technology, even though there's so many negatives, there's always positives, all these useful resources. Many people find it comfortable to write. Many people like to talk about it where we have therapy. Many people like to listen where we have these interesting podcasts and other important mental health apps such as Headspace, which I personally use, are meant for meditation and yeah, Headspace is a really good app that my family and I have been using for about three years. I can almost recognize Andy's voice in my sleep because of how much you meditate. Meditating is a really good way to just clear your mind, clear your thoughts, and I hope that you have enjoyed our episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dollar Central Podcast regarding mental health in the teenage brain. We hope you found this interesting and we will catch you in the next episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.